This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome, folks, to the program. It's Friday, by the way, which means we're swinging open the gateway to that weekend for you and getting you lined up with a lot of content on the program. Thank you very much for being with us. Ramya Muthan at the studio in Toronto. And before we went on the air, we were talking about Oh Darling, the uh, Beatles tune. Mm. Um, Ram, again, as someone who found the Beatles when he was like, I think, 10 years old, just before John Lennon actually was shot um, and became an instant kind of fan because guys I went to school with liked the Beatles. And it kind of was funny since the Beatles were a 60s band and we were in the 80s, right, early 80s. Right. So really kind of weird, but loved the Beatles more than any other band back then, outdid Stones and everyone else. I gotta say, I find it amazing when now we can find different versions. And sometimes you don't even know, you have to think, hold on, was this, did this version predate what I yeah, know like who is came the first? only version? Who did it mm. first, you know, the chicken or the egg? Um, <laughs> but I also find it amazing when People like yourself find these different versions, these things, whether you hear them oh, on YouTube, God. TikTok, or wherever, and it makes you go on that that rabbit hunt for it. What the heck? Where is this? What I will is tell oh, you. What is this? So with Oh Darling, um, first of all, I am not, I don't know too many songs by the Beatles, just the very, very, very popular, like top 10 popular songs or something. I've never listened to a full Beatles, Beatles record. Uh, so anyways, I was going through TikTok, and I found um, this girl covering uh the the oh darling song it was just like a nice low strung acoustic cover i loved it sent it to a friend and they're like oh yeah that's a great beatles track and i was like wait what and then i listened to the original <laughs> so obviously classic song but this was how literally an example of what you're saying right uh, people go and discover songs in many different forms because there's so much um to find nowadays, like you can discover covers before originals, Dis discover versions that are uh, acoustic or, you know, remixes before listening to the original track. It's kind of like yeah. when people used to go yeah. search for the samples that are used in hip hop That's right. music, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes you liked what you liked more. But it's interesting because I really get fascinated thinking, wow, you get so thinking, well, this was written by, this was an mm -mm. original. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything. There were lots of songs written for different groups, different artists that that, that get done. And of course, even those well-known artists covered a lot of tunes. Let's take a look, see what we have on our program today. Is the new name drop feature on iOS 17 really safe? We discuss with John Beeler on our app updates. The Professional Women's Hockey League is starting up on January 1st, 2024, and Brock Richardson has more about that on our sports update. And Apple has introduced a new feature called the Year in Review, which is similar to Audible's and Spotify's. Ryan Huey has more on the Chatty Bookshelf. We'll get into that during hour two of the program. So I know we have the VIP section at the theaters and there's so much food and so many items you can get there, including alcohol and some of them they've got themselves licensed. 
but there is a definite thought behind a movie coming out today. Uh, actress Julia Roberts says that her new movie should come with alcohol. The Julia Roberts psychological thriller Leave the World Behind at its premiere in London Wednesday night. Something is happening and I don't trust them. Films about what happens when all communication devices go down and people start turning on one another. Roberts was on hand with writer-director Sam Esmail, noting that it's a bit of a stressful watch. Well, how would you describe it? Well, I think tickets should be sold with a drink voucher. Yes. Uh, number one. Leave the World Behind is out now in theaters in limited release and will hit Netflix a week from Friday. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. Hello. Yeah, first of all, mm. and Jason, stop doing that little hold so it throws us off there. He <laughs> holds now. I've noticed this with Jason. Cut that out. <laughs> Pay attention. Um, First of all, I love that it's going to go to Netflix. I think this is really cool that you can get movies like this. I'm, I'm no longer, thank you, as you brought up the other day, sound system-wise, with the Sonos. No, 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 no. Got to hear stuff uh, right through that. I can sit there at home and enjoy it. Um, what I also noticed is there seemed to be a little blurp before a drink. So, Julia, you, you weren't saying a word that maybe we, we shouldn't hear, right? <laughs> I just love how um, she's so human. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness, so human. Um what do you think? Because when you hear about this film, I, I kind of got anxiety. What do you mean communications are down? Now, we've seen this in other films where oh, yeah. people can't use their cells, their computers and stuff like that. Um, I'm always interested in the take that people have on it and the scenarios they come up with in a film, sort of like the old horror films where, you know, oh, boy, the guy's in the wood shop. How is the killer going to kill him? Mm. With the saw, with the jigsaw, with the, you know, with the miter saw? Uh, hey, hey, you we've know, been learning a lot on our woodworking segment? set. That's <laughs> right. It's our woodworking segment all over. <laughs> Two hours of gore. Pause. Um, Which saw was that? that. Uh-huh. Um, Would yeah. you see this? Does this intrigue yeah, yeah. you, or is this just Absolutely. one of those things like you that I've seen it on Black you can, before? Oh yeah, hundred percent. As soon as you say psychological thriller, forget it. Sign me up. Doesn't matter if Julia Roberts is making an appearance or if it's just like a very uh, new cast. I love the idea of this. The premise is so simple. There's so many ways you can go with this, and um, you know exactly what you just said the black mirror-esque right like the dystopian based on how we pull our current reality into the future and say let's just take it up a notch and see um what it would feel like and i am such a fan of the genre um with or without a drink but yeah i guess at home if they had the drink would that help no because i'm staying at home and watching it on netflix i'm not paying money i'm already oh, paying so enough for netflix just... come on yeah, I was just going to say, so not just one drink. There, you can have multiple. Okay, I got you there. <laughs> With uh, friends. Awesome and, exactly, friends. and safely, and no overindulgence. That's not hey, what movies are, on. but you want to remember it first before you have to pay to see it again. What? Oh, yeah, it's Netflix. You yeah. already pay for no, Netflix. It's yeah. not like it's one Watch of those Watch it over and over and over. Things. Get your $20 a month worth on That's Netflix. That's because you'll be falling asleep anyway every <laughs> 10 minutes into it. <laughs> Coming up next on our program, ladies and gentlemen, as we pick up our own Christmas trees, I've heard crazy stuff about Christmas trees, especially the real ones out there. Lots of bugs and stuff, but we'll talk about that another time on the show. Gardener Susan Kearney stopped by to discuss the Christmas cactus. Sounds painful on the finger. We'll talk to her after this. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Thanks for being with us. Kelly and Rumio, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. On AMI-audio, check us out at 4 p.m. Eastern for the first airing of the show, wherever you're listening and around the world off of AMI-audio. Thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. Folks, 
Hang in with us uh, as we are live at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv, Monday through Fridays. And on the weekends, you can check out the best of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. On Fridays, Rum and I love to welcome in our gardener, Susan Kearney. So let's get at it. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Two, have you heard some of these stories about people bringing home the real trees and then being infested by bugs or, or something, one thing or another, and it's been a crazy season for this? Yeah, yeah that, that's really interesting. Also, they're, they're really expensive um, this year. I mean, they've been expensive the last several years, but um, they're very expensive. And there's a lot of growers that are going to say they're not going to be growing the trees any longer because it's wow. just not it's not profitable mm. um, because of um, our, our temperatures changing um, either too much rain not enough rain uh, so there are the choices and it's a lot of cultivation so uh, yeah um, um, actually I've heard a lot of discussion about different uh, farmers that have actually were tree growers and uh, mm -hmm. now it's just not not profitable profitable uh, at all because of all the different things that um, are, are happening I right. guess, in our environment and uh, and so on yes and and the different oh I, you know bringing all those bugs that that would oh, that oh. Be, <laughs> bringing all mantis. plants it'd be great to get a number on like how many people actually still get real trees though I would so, think that yeah. would be the reason why everything's shutting down because like who is actually getting real trees but I'm living in my own world so well, I, well, I've heard I this for a few years, though, too, right, Sue? It yeah. sort of comes up mm -hmm. and down. But this subject of, of people saying, I'm getting out of it, uh, I think we heard even just before the pandemic. It was, it was just strange. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, I, think, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, our, our environment is, is changing and, you know, the warm. And uh, many of our trees, well, it, it, takes, it takes approximately... Um, five to 15 years, depending on the size of the tree, that's an awful lot of investment to it put into, into something that um, you are only going to really be um, using once a year. So I, I'm not really sure whether, I, I, think there's, I think there's a whole lot of different things coming in, um, you know, in, in on the, um, the Christmas tree um, problem. And the way you can like fake trees, the, the needles are so real anyway, as far as we're concerned in that sense, and not having to water, not having certain fears as the fire departments, you know, all around yeah. the world say, just just go to a just go to a fake tree. And and the most they're worried about is bad wiring. Watch your lights and those kinds of things. And a lot of these trees now come with some forms of lights, whether they're built into them, on them, whatever. So yeah. But if we are picking up our trees, Sue, um, as we work through that process, those who still are very comfortable and very much this is as we hit December, the thing they do, our gar uh, we, we kind of want to talk a little bit about the Christmas cactus, Sue. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is another beauty. And, um, and, and, and she actually, uh, this time of year, she starts to, between November and December, she actually starts to... Um, have, um, throw her buds out, so she is going to bloom by the end of December if if she has the the right conditions. And this this beauty actually comes from 
um, South America and grows in the highlands uh, of South America. Uh, so we can call it a semi-tropical. Um, it, it doesn't mind temperatures down to between 50 and 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, it, it doesn't mind that at all. It, it can tolerate that, although we don't grow them outside here. Um, it's, it's too cold this time of year. So if you have them in, in your house, they like a cool spot, very much like the Christmas trees, not too much heat. So they do like a cool spot. And um, they will start, start to want um, some fertilizer uh, around the last week of November, the beginning of December. So every two weeks, give them um, some uh, general um, plant fertilizer, and uh, they, they, they'll like that. Uh, start watering a little bit more because it will need a little bit more water, unlike a lot of our plants that are starting to slumber. This one is waking up. So is there anything around the Christmas cactus for the rest of the year, Susan? Like, do we even, you know, what is it? What is the significance when it's not around Christmas, when it's not around the holiday season? Well, actually, it's a, it's a succulent, mm-hmm. so and, and a very pretty succulent. I'll try to explain. What, her her leaves are long; um, they they sort of stretch out from the center of the plant. She can get quite woody um, in, inside of that, that the plant. She can get quite quite woody, quite sturdy. Uh, she doesn't mind being pot bound at all. So then, when these leaves come out and they're they're quite thick feeling because they're they, it is a succulent. It's it's really not a cactus. And when I say they call it a Christmas cactus, it isn't really a cactus, although it's in the family of um, cactus, but also succulent. So she yeah. she's very nice to touch. She's not prickly yeah. or. Um, yeah, that. So that you don't have to be afraid of this one. She's she's lovely. Mm. And when her leaves start to to grow out, um, she's going to bud. You can feel those buds. They become that um, leaf at the end becomes a lot fatter, and that is where the um, bud of the flower is going to come out. So she has her flowers at the ends of her leaves. It's actually very pretty. Yeah, very interesting plant. The flowers themselves, like, can you describe those? How big are they, or how, how uh, do they feel very different from the rest of the plant? Yes. Okay. Um, when they when they come out, um, the, the, when they burst out at the end of those those leaves, uh, they actually they're like a they're like a little cup, a little frilly cup. Uh, they can be from colors from um, pink to peach. Um, dark rose and into red and some of them um, actually uh, my cactus now and this is my fifth I believe the fifth generation that I took off the original um, cactus uh, and sometimes the flowers are, are different colors I, I'm going to be very interested because this is I can't even remember how many great-grandchildren that would have been great 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 maybe grandchildren of the original and um, I will be interested to know uh, what color they're going to be because the original um, she had like a like a peachy very pretty peach with a little bit of white in the center and it's like a little cup um, that you feel very frilly very dainty and they sort of um, stick up in the air once they um, like on the 
on the leaf. So if if almost every leaf buds, mm. it can make a beautiful. That's um, so lovely. Uh, a be- a, yeah, beautiful. It really is. Now I've never had one do that. Not even the old one. It didn't do that. It, it usually took the leaves. Usually took turns. So you might have right. six of the leaves of flowers on, and then the others, and then another one would would bud. And I'm hoping it's going to bud within the next um, three or four weeks. And this is about the time that they do start to go into bud. And um, one of the things that we have to remember about this plant and it's it's got some bonuses for us because it does not like light once the um, sun sets you can actually have her in a dark room Mm. so that's a that's a bonus for us so it doesn't matter if you don't have to turn lights on right right so so when you say about the leaves everything as a succulent coming out at one like what would be is, is, is do we see it ever that it's really got most out where the buds all um, give you the leaves. Like, is that a possible thing or are the chances of that low with this plant that you're not going to get that due to whatever it is space due to, you know, that the buds can't for whatever reason, they're not perfect enough, whatever that might be that would keep it from totally blooming like that. Yes. And, and that is where the, the light and the dark um, thing comes into play because this this plant is a plant that likes to have at least 10 to 15 hours of total darkness and that means total darkness it's it's not just wow. it doesn't even like a lamp on wow. um, for some reason it delays its blooming so i that I, that i find very interesting and and yes. after i found out about that um, several years ago, I've actually started to research other plants that do the same thing, uh, which is quite interesting. That'll be for another time because I found that fascinating. Uh, so if, if, if you have these plants in quite a bit of light during the day, uh, they're not really going to bloom and they may get one bloom, they may get no blooms. And um, so I'm actually experimenting with one of my um, babies and it is now in uh, one of my bathrooms that has no windows. So I take it out first thing in the morning when the sun comes up, and then as soon as the sun sets, it goes back into that bathroom. With and, and no one's allowed to turn the light on in there. So right, it, that's the that's experiment. the blind person room. That's the blind person yeah, bathroom. Right. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. we were talking yeah, to Kim no Hovey yesterday. On. We were talking to Kim Hovey yesterday in Dawson City about the different time of the year where it's so dark like now, right? And mm-hmm. we were discussing the fact that basically between 3 p.m. and then and uh, noon, uh, yeah, noon, the next day, it's pretty darn dark. And then, of course, it gets yes. gloomy. But, boy, wouldn't that be an interesting experiment there to see how many of them, if you it, with the timing, if you had that right space where the, no light is leaking in, like you said, the bathroom's mm-hmm. gray. You know, you can't, you can have a room in your place, but you're still going to get street lights or something else creeping in in, yeah. in that circumstance. But boy, could yeah. you imagine how often, and again, I don't know if the, the coolness would have anything to do with it, because as you said, it prefers that yes. cooler weather. It it does. <clears throat> it does prefer the cooler, like cooler um, in, in, in the, um, in the house. So um, that, you know, in, in a house, it likes the cooler times. So it, you know, it, it doesn't mind being away from, away from the heat or even in a northerly window. So that, that's very cool. It has another bonus. 
it's not toxic to our animals. Lovely. I, I just said, yeah, it's 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 on the list of. Um, I guess if they eat quite a bit of it, it might give them a bit of a tummy ache. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not. It's not. It's it's one we can add to. So you can give this plant to someone who has uh, cats and dogs or other creatures because uh, it's not toxic to them. So so far it doesn't sound like bunch. yeah. So far it doesn't <laughs> seem like we can really screw this up. You know, it reblooms. It can go for years. It doesn't even need yeah, the light. And you're not ex- not a lot of expectation because right. it won't bloom as many leaves. So you'd be on no one say, well, Rum, yeah, yeah, you it's one. doing you its best. It's really meeting me halfway. But Susan, if you had to say, like, if there was something that we should pay much attention to in order not to screw this up, what would it be? The soil, the watering. Uh, it, it goes dor- it, it goes dormant come May. So okay. um, that is when, so she's on the opposite end of everything else that is starting to grow, um, probably That's in awesome. your house <laughs> or in your garden. And uh, yeah, so she'll go to sleep um, between May and, and, and uh, October, no, beginning of November, and then you start watering her and fertilizing her and, um, and doing the, the, the light thing for a few, you know, several hours and then the dark thing for several hours. And she can actually be put outside in the summer in a shady area, and she doesn't mind that. At all, as long as she doesn't dry out too much, um, she right. doesn't mind. Doesn't mind that at all. So. And as with the other cactus, cacti, um, we want the high draining soils, right? Oh yes, ab- absolutely. Okay. But this one doesn't mind being pot bound for some reason, mm. um, and and uh, yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't mind that at all. And it's very easy to propagate. If a leaf falls off, just take that and put it in some um, cactus soil, and uh, and it. And treat her like I've said, treat her, and uh, she will grow. They're really easy. So if you knock a piece of that leaf off, which is easy to do when you're watering, uh, then, uh, yeah, you can easily propagate and make another of one of these plants. So she, she is a great one all the way around. Okay. Wow, so easy. Thanks, Suze. Appreciate it. Really cool. Love all that information, the Christmas cactus plant. Wow. Thanks, Sue. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Susan stops with us every week on Friday to kick our Friday edition off of the program when we talk gardening. Kind of interesting, May to October, it goes dormant. Mm-hmm. Kind of the opposite to the co-host Everything. that I have on the show that hey. goes dormant November <laughs> through uh, May. I need a cactus uh. <laughs> in my life to keep me awake. We'll be back after the break. <laughs> Is the new name drop feature on iOS 17 really safe? We discuss it with John Beeler on our app update. Come on, stay awake. It's 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 December. You should be awake now. <laughs> Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week, Joita speaks about disability and aging with Anne Lee, a researcher at Nainut University in Ireland. That's The Pulse this Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio, also available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get to our weekly app update. We do this with John Beeler every Friday. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. 
Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, uh, important updates on today's uh, app update, so really namely. But first, let's talk about, or I guess one of the updates, let's talk about the um, government, Canadians, and Google reaching a deal on the um, News Act. Sorry, my script is going crazy right now. Okay, on the Online News Act. So tell us what's going on here. Yeah, this is part of the ongoing, I guess, issue that we've had in Canada, yeah. where a lot of uh, of the social media sites uh, are currently battling with the Canadian government for Bill C-18 and the Online News Act, as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Google is the first group to actually come to a deal with the Canadian government. Uh, originally, Google had, um, uh, or got, the government had estimated that Google's compensation for the amount of content that is flowing through Google News and other Google properties was estimated to be around 172 million per year. And uh, the government was very adamant in very strong language about not backing down. And then all of a sudden, Google said, "Well, what if we give you 100 million?" And uh, the government said, "Sure." So. Um, basically, that's what's happening now. Uh, the government will be dealing directly with Google. Google will be paying this to the government, and the government will then be distributing it to the news organizations uh, throughout the country that it deems are worthy of uh, a piece of this big pie, which, you know, right. interesting. In the, in the media landscape, this is an enormous amount of money, especially for Canada. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how this is going to be divided up and yeah. also... Um, the ongoing sort of negotiations, if you will, although I wouldn't say they're really negotiating because talks with Meta haven't resumed and Meta actually is already blocking Canadian. Oh, yeah, it's frustrating as hell. Yeah. So, um, but interestingly, Google hasn't even, wasn't even blocking anything. This was all, you know, part of a bill that's coming in, you know, next year. Um, But Meta said, no, we're out and started Mm -hmm. blocking it. So, and they haven't resumed talks um, we talked about this, I think, a few months ago about how uh, in Australia a similar bill was in place and Google uh, was able to negotiate. I don't recall if Meta did it or not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see because this is going to really set the precedent for like a blueprint uh, for it, isn't it? Yeah, or could be. Yeah, could be. Yeah. I, and, and also, I think this countries. was offered earlier, wasn't it? The hundred thousand Google did offer earlier. And Canada said, well, no, no, the 172 that you quoted, John, that kind of thing was what they wanted to stick to. And here we are arriving back at the same position. Um, And I know some of the question for some people out there is bodies like the CBC who have so many journalists and that already there, but yet are getting money already from from the Canadian government, whereas we're talking about the protections that this gives, like you said, it's a, a, a decent chunk of change um, if, if if allocated correctly and 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 nicely um, to help out so many journalists that are out there, and we've already lost a lot. That's exactly it. It's it's really the redistribution of this uh, agreement, uh, and hopefully this is, is the first of many agreements that are going to come to help benefit uh, Canadian journalism uh, in general, um, and maybe you know keep a few more of these smaller um, uh, outlets alive uh, in this really interesting time for uh, journalism in Canada. Does it feel satisfying, John? Like, was your first reaction when you heard about this agreement in, you know, who played what hand 
and how long we've been kind of frustrated about this when, when the original news or uh, act came out, talk of it. Does it feel satisfying to know that this is a good landmark? Uh, it's a good starting point. Mm. I mean, this is couch change for Google. So uh, it's, it's, it's nothing to them. Uh, and, you know, I think more importantly, Facebook has, or Meta has already sort of proven how negative this can impact Canadians by blocking uh, news on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook. So, um, and I also have seen a lot of uh, outlets across Canada being really frustrated about not having a proper system in place for distribution other than their own website uh, or maybe Twitter, which is, you know, on fire, as we know. And mm -hmm. uh, and so Facebook was sort of one of those safer places, uh, weirdly and ironically, because yeah. the comment sections are always a hellscape, but um, you never know. Yeah, it's more about like how much... I guess the news can be distributed and once platforms start pulling out and saying, no, we're not going to take part, AKA meta, uh, you start to really discover the percentage of content on meta that was news, right? Like now, if you try to scroll, you realize like how much is actually just blocked content now, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I don't think any of us go into it really understanding uh, all of it was a lot of what we saw are reposts. We took it for granted. Yeah, right? yeah. A repost there. and where we go for our news. But you know what? It makes us conscious, right? Like, that's that's what's interesting about this, um, especially about the different corporations and their stance on the, this act being passed in Canada. Uh, so anyway, for me, I think it's important that the government did take a stance on like systematically creating some change around what media outlets do, um, how we need to treat our journalism, and you know who needs to take part and how we do that fairly. Well, yeah, you don't want to lose journalists. You don't want to lose everything no. to where we lose but identity. But it was going to be chaotic. Where we knew that. You we bet. knew that, yeah. yeah. And then that was what you had to do. Go ahead, John. Well, I, I think at the end of the day, what all that matters is that a deal was done because exactly. if there was no deal, that would benefit nobody. Oh, yeah, we'd be screwed. That's yeah. right. And, and for no reason other than just digging heels in. Um, let's stick with a bit of Google talk. And the reminder you've got for us that Google is starting to purge inactive accounts, John. Yes. So basically, uh, December first today uh, is the uh, the the start of the phased deletion of any inactive accounts. Um, this is something that we talked about, uh, I think, in the summertime, uh, around May. And uh, basically, Google is going to be deleting any accounts that haven't been uh, activated, used, logged into, uh, starting now. And, um, it, there's, you know, a lot of people have Gmail accounts, maybe they created for a certain purpose uh -huh. or a certain event or something like that. And they never logged into it again. Or in my case, I have a number of sort of Google aliases accounts that I have, um, that forwards to one account. Um, but I haven't logged into those accounts in years. And, it's a little unclear for me if those accounts are going to be in existence anymore. Um, in some cases, I can't even find the login information for those accounts. Um, but what's really interesting is that you're going to have to log in or send an email or um, basically just be using that account in some way. And it could be as simple as looking at a YouTube video with that account logged in as to sort of keep that account alive for an additional two years. But essentially, every two years, Google is going to be uh, evaluating your your account to see if you've used it. And if you haven't, it's going to be slated for execution. Or slash <laughs> yeah. 
to remind us why are they doing this? Like, do they have an intention behind this, or are they just saying, "Hey, we need to clean up"? Um, well, I, I think it's I think it's a couple things. I think one, it's it's just spring cleaning because there's probably I would think probably millions of accounts that yep. are in this kind of state. Um, so it's you know it's good for them to sort of free up some resources. Um, also, these these kind of accounts they could easily become exploitable accounts. Uh, you know, you've got an account maybe from a relative that passed away that hasn't mm. been touched. And yes. if hackers can get into that, who knows what kind of access they can get to those types of things. So I think this is, you know, a fairly good um, uh, house cleaning kind of thing to do. Yeah, it makes like sense. An account management system for Google to sort of say, hey, you know, if you're not using your account for two years, think about it going away because uh, we can't just continue to maintain millions of unused accounts, <laughs> uh, taking up resources and basically... Uh, potentially filling up hard drives depending on how these accounts are used. Yeah. Will we and be I, getting I would forward? Also that would chase some of that bot behavior too, right? Because it has to be active yeah. enough. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah. and that, sorry, Rum. Oh, no, I was just going to ask if we're going to be forewarned, like, will they give us a heads up? I mean, it's December 1st already, so. Yeah, and, and this here. is a rolling. This is his heads up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This this will be a rolling thing. Um, one thing that Google does say that you should do if you have any accounts that you really care about and don't want to be deleted, um, every once in a while when you log in, it'll ask you, you know, do you have a backup email address? And that is where they're going to send an email saying, yep. hey, this other account you're not using, we're going to delete it soon. So you better go log in. And they'll send it notifications to that email account and also your backup email account. So I think they're going to let everybody know multiple times and you really have no excuse as long as you've added a, 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 an alternate email address or you're still actively using that account, in which case it doesn't matter because you're not going to be deleted. Okay, nice. Uh, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about this other thing. It's iOS. So there's a new name drop feature and we're wondering if it's actually safe and this is on iOS 17. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this feature, both good and bad. Um, there's been a number of uh, viral TikToks and other social media uh, videos about how people can literally just get all your contact information by being near you in the supermarket or some other thing. And this is like the airdrop stitch, right? What, remind yes. us what uh, name drop is again? So name drop is uh, if you bring uh, two iPhones or an iPhone and an Apple Watch uh, or an iPad or any anything that has NFC technology in it, um, basically you bring, um, if I come close to your phone, Ramya, mm -hmm. uh, it's going to offer me the ability to send you my contact information. This is oh, uh, used to bump. And, uh, Who thought this was a good idea, John? <laughs> this is like the business card thing, right, this... John? At the party when you're too hammered right, up. Right, right. Hey, okay, that's what it was. Contact. Yeah. yeah, but it, and you know yeah. what? When you say it now, it honestly sounds like a bad idea. Okay, go on. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, you can opt out of it, and this is something sure. that has said. You just go into the AirDrop settings and bring near device is a toggle. You turn it off. And that function won't happen. Um, I think it's really handy, especially you know maybe you turn it on just for those uh, those mixing events yeah. that you're going to. Um, but it's really nice because you get to share this really nice sort of visual business card with somebody new very easily just by bringing your device really to the very, like within centimeters of the other device. So it's highly unlikely that uh, this is going to be triggered accidentally unless you're like in a crowded elevator or something. And even yes. then the, the hackers are just waiting in the wings. Well, it's, it's kind of like fist pumping, right? Hey, nice to meet you. And so, you know, doing the, and <laughs> zoot, zoot, there you got my card now. Yeah, Thank ideally, you. Ideally, ideally guys. Yeah. 
And the, the hacker the working the elevator, bringing everybody to the fast. meeting. It's yes, right. And and also you have full control of what you're sharing. So it's mm -hmm. not downloading your entire contact list to this other phone, okay. which is what the viral videos have been saying, which is completely false. What's interesting though, there's been a number of police departments in the US, uh, unfortunately uh, have said this feature is a security concern. Clearly they've never used a computer before because <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Okay, so so clarify again for us one more time. Is this actually unsafe or is it just a lot of hearsay and worry that's going on? It's a lot of misunderstanding of mm. the technology. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. NFC is not, um, it, it is a fist bump. Essentially, and it has to be a very coordinated fist bump. So, yeah. yes. you know those awkward fist bumps that are air bumps? Yep. That will not happen. The blind people yes. fist bumps? Okay, good. Yeah. I'm missing you. Where are you? I'm shaking hands. What, John, did you leave? Yeah. We celebrate when we can fist bump. Okay, John, thank you That's for clarifying. Right. Without we got punching you. someone. We'll talk to you next yeah. week. And guess what? No AI this week. I know. <laughs> It's brilliant. She's depressed now. I got to put okay. up with it now. Look what you've I'll done. I'll bring it She's up later. <laughs> Thanks, oh, John. Gosh. Thank you, guys. John Beeler joins us on our app update. That's on Fridays, uh, talking a little bit about NFC and the name drop feature on iOS. And reminder for you Google people that they're uh, getting rid of our accounts if you haven't used them. Free hockey chat coming up, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness, I'm sort of surprised. An NHL referee had an unusual sound bite at a recent game. Mark Phoenix will tell us more as he sits in for Bill Shackleton on the buzz next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Thanks for still being with us, ladies and gentlemen, or thanks for just tuning us in. We're here 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv, 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio with the first repeat of the program at 10 p.m. Eastern time on both networks, Monday through Friday. Thanks for being with us. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto on main campus. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. And we welcome in all the way from the environs of Newfoundland, we welcome uh, Mark Phoenix, who's filling in for Bill Shackleton. We call this segment The Buzz. Never quite know where the host of The Buzz is going to take us. Welcome back to the program, Mark, for the Happy Friday. Oh, where, oh, where is Mark? Oh, I know he's there you are. There we Hi. go. We'll get some yeah, sound there. out of him. Squeeze yeah. it out of him. <laughs> Excellent. Just, just, just read my lips. It'll make perfect sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. Just had, a, just had a nice, just had a nice uh, you know, Evening sunset at like 3.30 p.m. out here. So. Are we bringing back yesterday's convos? Are we doing that? Is that what well, we're doing? the Christmas okay. cactus might grow well there too. When's the sun come up in the morning? Um, Before I wake up. That's all I know. <laughs> oh, so you mean around 11 a.m.? Remember, okay. he's still yeah, snoozing. <laughs> That's right. Just he's got two hours ago. What are you talking about? The snooze yeah. button. Get it out of his cold hands, man. That's right. Cold dead wrote. hands. Uh, That's cold right. dead hands. They're definitely cold these days, I got to tell you. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, well, we're keeping things on the ice. Let's get things started. It is a nice Friday. Uh, with a story from Monday from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, where people went to a boxing match and a hockey game broke out. Uh, the Florida Panthers were taking on the Ottawa Senators. The Panthers were leading 4 nothing at near the uh, end of the third period. 
when Brady Kachuk, the Ottawa Senators captain, was stopped <laughs> on a breakaway. Kachuk dragged his skate to hit the pads of Panthers goalie Sergei Bobrovsky, sparking an angry response from his opponents. Uh, the refs sensed a messy end of the game with the older Kachuk brother, Matthew, already in the penalty box. He'd gotten under the skin of brother Brady's teammates. Oh, no. The result was a... <laughs> was a uh, you could call it a scrum. You could call it a skirmish. Uh, what referee Garrett Rank called it was 10-minute misconduct. <laughs> Everybody on the ice has a 10-minute misconduct, among other penalties, announced over the I microphone. Um, Senators player Zach McEwen took a run at uh, Matthew Kachuk. He was issued a five-minute match penalty for a check to the head. Oh, my. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, yeah. He also was fined $2,000 for that stunt. Uh, in the crowd, the Kachuk family was watching the game and, uh, his, uh, grandmother Geraldine <laughs> was caught on a TV camera with her head in her hands. <laughs> I guess, I guess she wasn't a fan of the, uh, is it boxing match at a hockey game? Or hockey game my son, I'm not sure my grandsons, my grandsons are in disgrace. Both of them in the same oh, game. Grandma. Right? Whose side you had to be the day grandma came out. out. Well, which wow. one? Wow. That's all we want to know is who was still on yeah. their feet by the end. Yes. I so love it. Was it. Okay. Basically a giant timeout for the whole of them kids. I mean, I guess they would have had to pull everyone off the ice, put two fresh lines on. I don't know what you do in that circumstance. Is, you do that. That's exactly what you do. It's because it's, it's a great line brawl. I used to love that <laughs> stuff when I was a hockey fan and they've done very well at trying to uh, mitigate. It would have been fantastic if nobody went on and we all had to take a 10 minute breather, like fans <laughs> and all. To, well, by the time they sort Imagine? it all out, it's like that. People go say, I'm going to go get something to eat, man. Yeah. And by the time they finish, the, the game might be starting again. But it's it's fascinating too when you talk playground about these, rules. Oof. Well, it's funny to me when you have two brothers playing, um, and Matthew Kachuk never played like that when he was in London. <clears throat> I say, <laughs> another one of those London nights, right, folks? That makes the NHL. Um, but it was just, it's just amazing when you see family members, and I love this in Shake baseball. My head. And, and, and uh, yes, it just kills me. Shake I my head for it. grandma as well. I feel bad yeah. for her. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded well, it could have started a family argument. Wow. Yes, it could have. Well, I'm reminded of a. Uh, a playoff game between the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche back in the late 90s, one game after an Avalanche player had boarded, I think it was Red Wing Chris Draper and did serious damage to his face. Very oh. next game, I don't know if it was like the first or second faceoff, but no one cared about the puck. The instant the nope. puck was dropped, everyone on the ice dropped gloves, started fighting. Oh my the goalies, God. Patrick Waugh and Mike Vernon, fought at center ice. Whoa. It was quite a I show. remember that. I they were remember waiting. That. This is beef. Yep. Yes, and that's were. what you do, right? You this is locker get, you room stuff, but right on the ice. Retribution, mm. right? Hockey, baby. You know, it's sort of like well, in baseball, eh, Mark? When they ping somebody off, you know, hey, you uh, snubbed mm. the, this and that or did they hit a home run off. So Games you on hit hold. the one. Yeah. Well, I guess when, while we resolve the matter. I guess when enough people are involved, though, no one is going to blame the referee, right? Like, this is mm. clearly a problem. Maybe, maybe mm, not. Mm. <laughs> and uh, speaking of retribution and refereeing things, uh, from the Associated Press from London, England, four men were charged Monday over the theft of an 18-carat gold toilet from Blenheim Palace, the English country mansion where British wartime leader Winston Churchill was born. The toilet, valued at 4.8 million pounds, that's 5.95 million U.S. dollars, was an artwork titled, are you ready for this, America. 
and intended as a pointed <laughs> satire about excessive wealth by Italian conceptual artist Maurizio Catalan. It was part of an art installation at Blenheim Palace near the city of Oxford a few days before it vanished overnight in September 2019. Uh, the toilet was a fully functional uh, unit. You could actually book a three-minute private session to uh, get Stop. up close and personal with the uh, device. Stop uh, it. <laughs> the removal, the unplanned removal of the toilet caused, quote, significant damage and flooding to the 18th century <laughs> building. Oh, uh, no. Gosh. Now, the, uh, w- the artwork itself has never been recovered, and given that it was... 18 karat gold it's yeah. probably in a different shape by now, but, i um... would think so and probably distributed widely among good friends either that or check type friends i mean i mean has anyone checked i don't know mar-a-lago trump tower you know? savage you, uh-huh. you, 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 you just gotta you know you gotta look around think about who yes. would really want this thing aside from me I would love to have and, I mean, come on, that's yeah, pretty and, cool. And not mind, right? As long as it's sterilized well enough, you know, you're fine. Absolutely. I, I remember uh, I remember we used to laugh at the Shah Baran had had that golden toilet. So do you think it was no, stolen yeah. out of offense or because it's 18 karat gold toilet? Um, I'd say, you know, a, Very a, a, a nearly $6 million toilet. Yeah, that thing yeah. got stolen for the money. Oh, that's right. Not because it was named America you, and the irony and no. all and that. You can no? forget a lot of things <laughs> like it's history for six million dollars, right? This art is very yes. offensive. We got to take it away. All right. <laughs> it's no longer crappy art. I can't believe you can book a three minute private <laughs> I know. It doesn't seem like long enough, really. No. Depending on. Yeah. Uh, this is a family show. Come on. Okay, uh, sorry. Come on. Kind of it, is, it is practically midnight it. as we say what now. Do you dude? used to okay. sterilize it or you just melt it down, I guess. You want details, don't you? <laughs> no surveillance. Okay, go on. And speak oh. and speaking of family shows, it is the holiday season. And if you're looking for something a little different to do, why not go diving? off the coast of Japan. This story is from uh, NHK, the Japanese public broadcaster. Christmas is coming to one of the major diving spots in Japan. Divers have installed an underwater Christmas tree near the town of Kushimoto in Wakayama Prefecture in Western Japan. An association of diving service operators sets up an undersea Christmas tree every year as part of efforts to invigorate the local community and, you know, get people to go diving. Eight divers, some of them wearing Santa Claus costumes on Tuesday, (laughs) headed to a diving spot about 200 meters from uh, Cape Shiano Misaki, the southernmost point of Honshu, which is Japan's largest island. They used sandbags and ropes to fix the three-meter tree, decorated with ribbons and bells, on the seabed 18 meters below the surface. The uh, tree will be there until December 25th. So if you have some time... Fly out there, get in the water, enjoy the view. So is it kind of floating still? Like you know what I mean? If you're under it's fastened, but underwater of course. Yeah. It's like not anchored down necessarily. It's I mean just based on this uh, picture I'm looking at, it looks like it's uh yeah, it might be more I mean, anchored down than rooted to yes. the seabed. Yeah, because, I mean, because of the sand ba- sandbags, here. right? The sandbags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. You've I mean, still got so it's weighing it down. I mean, yeah. they got a couple of and, divers, and you, you know, working on this tree. And I mean, those costumes are Are they, are they cool, in the sand you know? outfits? Are they they in are, the sand actually. Outfits? Okay. It's pretty yeah. neat. 
This I thing sounds it. cute. I like well, it. You wouldn't want it to move too much, right? Because, uh, you know, obviously it's got to stay upright. You want it to be with if somebody goes down there and it's kind of laying down. Oh, come on. But Mark, any lights on it? Uh, I don't think there are lights. I don't think there's electricity running down to it for, you know, obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to think obvious, but we have electricity. Maybe some glow in the dark, nowadays. other, yeah. Um, yeah. How big did you say? Or did you say? Three nine meters. meters. Three, yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's, sorry. It's a decent, sorry, it's a good enough That's light. nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, you want to be able to find this thing, and uh, it doesn't look like necessarily the clearest water in the world, oh. but uh, no, it looks clear enough. I mean, you get yeah. down there, you know, you enjoy the view, see a tree, see some fish, maybe a dolphin or two. Yeah, it sounds pretty magical. It sounds. It sounds I think like that's a good... really cool. I mean, you probably have a lot of sand and stuff kicking up too, Mark, because it's shallow enough. But you still mm. need that light uh, from from above as much as you can get of the sunlight if you're down there, um, yeah. especially under the conditions we're talking. That that would. But be you kind want of like cool. any average person to be able to go down there, right? Like not yeah. have to have deep. You don't sea have to diving. be some high grade, <laughs> yeah. yeah, some yeah. high grade <laughs> diver. Exactly. You know, setting out, you know, or the Titanic sub thing mm. going down to it, you know, or anything like that. You don't want and anything. Then... You don't need something. No, you want to go down, you know, take some nice photos, have a good time, and then come back up for right. some hot chocolate as you warm up. Cute. Mark, is this yeah. the first time they've done this? Or, or did you I don't say, think so. I, um, me neither. This, this seems to be seem something like they it. do on a yearly basis. Now, it's not clear if they go to the same location every year or if they right. find a yeah. different spot to uh, plant this thing. But uh, I would... I don't know. If I ever get into diving, I will never be allowed to. If I ever get into diving, you know, I might go check it out. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That would be really cool, but I think you're good. You know what would be really neat? If they put camera down there that you could just stream and watch. Watch the different people Oh, yeah, somebody else take the pictures for us, right? And the video. Yeah, and just live it. Run a little underwater sound effect. You know, the bubbles are going away. And you're like, Mark, you'd enjoy it. Well, you'd be like watching the lobby in your, you know, in the old apartment Why wouldn't you be allowed, Mark, to go? Um, I don't think <laughs> she Deborah can't leave well enough. Mark, she can't read between the lines and leave uh, well like, enough alone. Uh, there are right? several now, things I'm us. personally banned from doing. Oh, Sky I see. Diving, right. Okay, going to space mm -hmm. and deep sea diving. They're right. all among that set. Well, yeah. And you knew Mark. You, you knew Mark was on the live and breathing, and I understand. And you knew Mark was on the list to go to space, right? But this is like practically snorkeling, right? Like it's not even that deep. Uh, well, it's it's 18 meters snorkeling. You're diving. Yeah. A little. Yeah. yeah. A little more. Oh, just, that's <laughs> a little more than snorkel. Hold your, breath. Hold your breath. You'll be that's, a, that's awful long snorkel, Rum. It's not Here the same go. as outer space, okay? No. Mm. He's not allowed going there either. <laughs> no. That's what I mean. I can't wait this might be the first one of the, the three that you may be able to do. That's I can't I mean, wait until he ever gets off the air and Deborah says, I watched your I make a great argument for it. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see if you're allowed back here after you've been saying all this stuff on the air when Deborah. You <laughs> Thank know, God hey, it's Friday, huh? I watched your segment. You're done the man. gig. <laughs> yeah. That's I love not her. supposed to be the. I got to come back for her. I'll be allowed back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Marky. Appreciate you filling in this week. Hey, always a pleasure. And uh, see you again soon. And hope Bill's feeling better. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Uh, folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments as we conclude the buzz. We'll be back with it next Wednesday on the program. We do it Wednesday through Fridays. But coming up in the next hour, let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. 
And Apple has introduced a new feature called the Year in Review, which is similar to Audible's and Spotify's. Uh, they have one similar. Ryan Huey will give us some more on the Chatty Bookshelf. But up next, the Professional Women's Hockey League is starting up on January 1st. Brock Richardson will be here to tell us some important details on this great event. Up next to begin our number two. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We've got another hour of the program. Kelly McDonald's in our studios right there. And we're in December. And it's that build-up to the Christmas time. And we're even going to speak New Year's in a few moments. With who? Well, it's time to talk sports with Brock Richardson. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. We always start the segment by asking Brock, what is your leadoff item? And you really, this time, have a leadoff item that actually leads off next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It's, uh, and the reason it's a leadoff item today is because it was announced uh uh, late this week uh, that the Professional Women's Hockey League will get going um, on January 1st with the first game between New York and Toronto. The game will be held at 12.30 Eastern time at the Madame Athletic Center in downtown Toronto, which will lead into the NHL's coverage of the outdoor game, which is their uh, New Year's Day classic. So it's kind of cool. And I, I, the second piece that I'm going to tell you, I um, I'm going to tell you that there's also some other big news that's coming up for me in uh, my professional career, or let's put it as an extension of. Uh, but more news on that will come in the coming weeks. But I'll leave the audience oh. with that little teaser, and uh, oh, my we'll chat about nice. it in a couple of weeks. Because if I say too much more, I might get myself in trouble. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, the hand's being slapped. Now, come now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, you're not going to egg him on or none of that? Okay, we'll no. just we'll oh, save no, no, that no. stuff for John Melville. Okay. Um, yeah. And David Arrington. <laughs> David Arrington. <laughs> Is Mark come around? No, it's Friday. Email. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, they're already left. Brocky, um, I'm excited to hear about the rest of the stuff and exciting about the um, Pro Women's Hockey League. Like, that's really fantastic. How long has this been in the works? Do you know? How uh, long have we been hearing about it? They've uh, been touting around with putting on uh, this league for a while since the former league uh, folded a couple of years ago and they finally put it together. We just didn't know when and the date. We knew of the six teams that are going to be involved in the league. Each team will play 22 games in its regular season. We just didn't know when the official date was, but it's very, very cool that it's going to be there. And credit to the women who are going to be a part of it. And I think a lot of the sort of question becomes, um, you know, why is there only six teams? And I think the, the appropriate answer to this is because when you look at the way that the women's game is currently standing, you look at the Canadian and the U.S. teams, which a lot of these individuals are going to make up the six teams. What they want to do is showcase the game in its, you know, the skill level that it is. And I think there is quite a bit of a drop-off today. 
after these six teams and they want to give the best product to make sure that this mm-hmm. league uh, gets a good start off in its footing. And I think that that's where we're at, but hopefully we do see some expansion and more women get involved in the game because of this league coming back into form. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what? It's, it's kind of apropos because when the NHL got going, as we know it, we had something called the original six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, let's talk about Para Pan Am, which is going back because it ended last weekend. Uh, but when, during the conclusion, something kind of disappointing happened uh, over that f- final weekend. So can you elaborate? Tell us what went on. Yeah. So if we look at the uh, way that CBC did things, and I, we talked about this a little bit, but just to give a little bit of a refresher, they had uh, three channels running, but they chose what we were watching at any given time and they had the right of moving games wherever they wanted to and you could jump into games here there and everywhere and as the weekend went on they were only using two channels because of uh, a volume of sports and just things like that we were in the middle of watching a a gold medal bc4 game uh, in bocce which was two on two and it was halfway through the game and cbc decided we're going to cut into this uh, and move it over to the bronze medal uh, men's wheelchair basketball game. Uh, This made me feel like I was back in the days when I was growing up of like, you know, the early nineties of, Oh, the 11 o'clock news is coming on. And so we're going to cut into a, uh, a hockey game or whatever was going on at that moment in time. I really, really think this was a complete, uh, misstep i'm not sure whether it was a mistake i'm not sure whether it was intentionally done but i can tell you that i missed watching this gold medal game in which canada was a part of and it ultimately Mm. took home the medal i just think there was a few uh missteps you you we talked about this offline of you know uh watching sports and getting names wrong and scores wrong and yeah i mean there was just things that just happened but this was the uh, the penultimate situation where I went, really? Canada's in a gold medal game and this is the misstep we take? Yikes. It's it's yeah. harsh because um, we get really, really excited. Like when we know that CBC's covering and when we know that Paris sports are being covered, we get so amped about that because, you know, why not, right? Like this is supposed to be where we're going. These are the milestones that we keep track of. And of course, there's a community of us and hopefully more um, that are tuning in. So it's almost like we start to get insecure and and start questioning the things like, uh, do you not think that people are watching these games? Do you not think that people are prioritizing? And then as you said, like several times already, it's Canada. So if Canada's involved in something, um, aren't we supposed to be covering, not to mention that it's a championship game? And I, and I certainly don't mean to uh, trivialize the uh, men's wheelchair basketball game here, but I, I will say that, you know, this is the game that they cut in from was a game that was going to be on the line for, you know, Paralympics qualification. Mm. The The men's basketball game was a game that allowed them to get into the qualification tournament. And yes, that is important. But to me, this just shows that divide between everybody knows wheelchair basketball, yes. everybody knows swimming, everybody yeah. knows. And, and that's Bigger the part audience. where I just kind of go, uh, okay, but this is still a gold medal game and it means something for people. So I was 
highly, highly disappointed. And I really want to believe, and I want to, and I want to sort of leave it here, at least from my thoughts, is I really want to believe that this was purely a misstep. I I really want to mm. believe somebody made a mistake. Uh, you know, yeah. that, that wasn't you can believe made. that, but I'm not buying. I, it I think that scheduling I, is something that's uh, way planned. Like it's the first thing well, that's planned. It is. So. It, and and unfortunately, yeah. they know the numbers. They know who's mm-hmm. watching, who's yeah. not, and and what's trying... available for streaming and what's going on. Like you guys are well, aware. I have to, and I have to ask you guys if you were doing this, knowing the struggles that Parasport has, and you've got people who you know are going to watch this basketball and down the road see by doing this it's a benefit in your mind this i'm not saying it's necessarily true to all sports to have this audience growing growing if it is just basically watching basketball and interrupting things like that i i think you get stuck saying well yeah but we really need to grow this and this is the thing people are waiting to watch not this even though you know, some people are very loyal to it and saying, hey, man, what about all the other sports that we're not talking about that they did the very same thing to? Mm-hmm. Um, and Brock, yeah. we we saw this in the olden days with different sports too when technology just didn't allow so many things to be, we, 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 you'd cut in and out and you'd move stuff from stream yeah, to stream or but channel but that's no longer channel, an excuse, right? right? Like no, now, it shouldn't now... be, but... But it's just new. You would never get it. That's what I was just going to say. The coverage feels new. So like this kind of conversation feels very young. But I really don't think any of these are excuses. I I think that we have. And they weren't then. Yeah. But it's unfortunately the way you look at it's more about prioritizing now. It is. And it's because of the whole who is really we are looking at such a small audience still. Yeah, that's going to so be. So we don't need to this. be as clean. Like I mean, the names. I don't even think it's that. It's trying to get the audience to get bigger so they're pleasing. Mm-hmm. Oh well, Kelly and Rummy are going to watch but this. Brock's the only one upset about it. Let's. The irony put Kelly is and though. Game on. The irony is though how professionally it's supposed to be done, right? Like if you want yep. people to tune in, it's got to be professionally and fairly done. I mean, it's not just fans. It's families of athletes. It's athletes who are watching their teammates uh, at these performances. Like there's so much to consider and you know when you hear people's names being wrong through an entire game you're thinking what the heck like did somebody even look at the script yeah (laughs) and i think you said it a moment ago we don't have to do that anymore but we do because somebody is looking at resources and money and you know the numbers and Mm -hmm. so on and saying no 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 cut away from that brock i want to skip over to baseball i think whether whether right wrong or indifferent we have to remember that these commentators the likelihood of them knowing the 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 sports yeah. or knowing the detail, they're sitting there and and ready to do it, and they're doing the best that they can. That's not an excuse because to me they should be versed in it. Not, but yeah. that is a point that I professionalism, that I, well, please. It, 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 yeah. But it's not their main gig, like we saw even a few years yeah. ago when oh who was it named the wrong person coming out of the swimming pool, the Canadian broadcaster, and really got heat. And yeah. he corrected himself. But for that moment, uh, sir, let's talk about the hi- hi- hiring of Carlos Feebles as the third base coach for the Blue Jays. There seems to be a lot of coaches being hired. And there's some potential news about Toronto's bench Blue Jays bench coach, Don Mattingly. Yeah, it's uh, it's really this is weird to me because they are focusing on hiring coaches right now. And to me, I look at this and I think coaches are great and coaches are what we need. Um, but I think we need to look at maybe at some point putting some players on the field and, and doing this. I think for me, I think it's it's 
you know, we it's okay. You know, I'm okay with the hiring of DeMarlo Hale, who comes back uh, when he was with uh, John Gibbons. That's fine. But I think we need to look at moving towards putting players on the field. And as for Don Mattingly, yes, there are some interest in the uh, Milwaukee Brewers uh, wanting him, and that's fine. But I just think there's a lot being made right now of coaches, and it's it's not what I want to see as a, as a fan of, Interesting. Uh, of Interesting. the team. It's not. Interesting. And the reason I say that is because of how mad everybody got when poor judgment of let's take this pitcher out who's got the game in hand – and we are seeing how uh, a certain Blue Jay can't hit the ball the, uh, off the side of a barn and somebody must be talking and pushing him and he must be having too many people in his ear. Coaches! So I, I like it. I want to see change because I'm sorry. The only explanation I can come up with, Bra, for why all these major league talented players did not perform this year is something went wrong in the coaching and directive. It's the only thing I can figure. So I like it because I know whenever players get around to signing and inking contracts, that could be December over there, but more likely January after Christmas, after they've you know, enjoyed themselves. Thanks, pal. Thank you. Brock Richardson joins us uh, on Fridays to kick off our second hour to carry on a little bit about sports and give us some headlines and some cool stuff to talk about. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, Apple has introduced a new feature called the Year in Review, which is similar to Audible's and Spotify's. Ryan Huey has more on the Chatty Bookshelf. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Driving back with a lot more content yet to go in the program, folks. Appreciate you being with us. It's Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And we're going to get to some audiobook chat. Lots to cover here, including a throwback to last week's conversations. Let's bring on Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, happy December, man. We're here. I know. Can you believe it already? Thanks for having me, as always. You mm -hmm. guys are sick of me yet? No, of course not. That's why you're back weekly. No, but you, would uh, know. you were sick last week, weren't you? Was it last week? Yeah. I think so, the yeah. The week before. Feeling... Yeah, and then I was, was just kind of recovering. Before? And yeah, it was uh, it, Yeah, it, it was one of those things. But you know what? It's that time of year, and I'm glad I, fingers crossed, that it's over with at this mm. point. Okay. Well, I mean, you always have audiobooks to keep you company. You want to start with a throwback to the airport conversation we had last time? Yes. In Houston I think International. We touched something and it's caught fire because I want to take a little trip to Houston. We were in Cincinnati last week, but Houston has an even cooler idea. It's similar, but they have a vending machine that's sponsored by the Houston Public Library, and it's called BookLink. And it's on display in full force in the right in the middle of the concourse. And if you are a Houston public library, I'll just touch on the, the main points. If you have a library card, you get free access. But for a small fee, you can, if you're not, you can pay to, to get a book to be take dropped in and take it with you, right? Oh. Uh, which they're not expecting back. But what's even cooler is that if uh, you don't have to be a member of anything, all you need to do is put a email address in and you get 
ebooks and audiobooks up to 25,000 and they're good for 48 hours. So it's good for your trip. And all you have to do is download the app. But what I love is the promotion of accessibility. So there's a iPad in front of it and it has nice. all of the features that are put out there and it's all the accessibility features. You can triple tap to put on your voiceover or to get assistive touch in there or whatever accessibility mm -hmm. needs you need to kind of launch your email and it sends you all of the all of the the instructions and then you get to download books or excuse me ebooks or audiobooks and take them with you on your flight. And like I said, if you're uh, there's a layover or there's a, a problem and your flight gets canceled it's good for up to 48 hours but then you just have to go and kind of redo it and then you get you get another 48 hours so i love this idea and it looks like it's catching fire everywhere Good goodness you'd go hang out there just at the airport just i for the swear sake of. every 48 wow. hours just go back to houston that guy's here reading we all we need is a testimonial of somebody saying yes this is as good as it sounds because it sounds really amazing uh-huh in theory Especially the accessibility yes, and yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you know what? I guess we just need someone to test it out and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it actually yeah. works. But uh, I feel like if they're mentioning that, they've kind of, I don't want to say thought of everything, but they are, they're putting that in the forefront. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I we talked love... about it as a, a recap, like when we talked about it last time, we were just talking about the lounge, right? That library area where you can hang out, read your books, and uh, potentially borrow something. And we were just going off about our own ideas of how to make this bigger and better. And then, Voila, within weeks, we're seeing how it is mm -hmm. getting bigger and better. Well, and I love the impetus of the accessibility, Ryan, because somebody obviously, this is important to, and 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 one of the brains behind it, bringing this forward. And I just get so curious as we talk always about accessibility departments for, you know, the Googles, the Apples, and so on. But then you get something just like this, and somebody's thinking. So you wonder, is it an employee here? Or is it mm. just something somebody saw somewhere? I still get a little fascinated on that angle. And you know what? At this point, I don't even care if it's a happy coincidence no. that it's accessible. Yeah. And you know what? They're just like, oh, well, maybe we should promote this, right? But I, I think that they did put some forethought into this and and, and really went with it. But uh, like I said, if not, and it was just a, a happy coincidence, kudos because you know sometimes it's the happy coincidences that that go the best and then go the longest yeah for sure uh what's your second item you want to get into this is cool so it's called the apple year in review so for all you apple people out there it is all of the ebooks and audiobooks and it's sort of similar to spotify and audible where it says hey this is how this is the your top listen to song but this is your top listen to book or this is your top read book however What's cool about it is that it's not just geared towards you. It also gives you genres and it's like, here's the top audiobook in the horror genre and here's the top ebook. And it gives you the option to, uh, to, to kind of say like, Hey, here's the, here's the ebook. Now I want to try the audiobook, which is kind of cool. I, I like the idea, but I don't think Apple's there yet because the cool thing that Audible does is says, hey, Ryan, you read 8 million pages. Uh, even though I don't read like read the uh -huh. pages, it, it gives you that by how many books you've listened to. Or, hey, how many, how, many, how many hours has Ryan listened to? And I think that's kind of where it's missing. But I think that they're, they haven't put anything out before. So I think that they're starting. And I, I think that it's, uh, you know, only can go up from here. So it is comparable to Audible, but because we're not just talking about books and audiobooks, it's music and right. pods and That's everything. It. Like yes. Apple's always been more of an ecosystem 
system, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like, Good point. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Audible, this is their main jam. Mm -hmm. And Spotify, yes. same thing. Like everyone's expanding a little more out of their own, like their original classic ways. But Apple is already just like a hub situation. Same thing with the TV side. You know, it's a hub for uh, all the different streaming services and rentals and buying and whatever. Um, what's the last, like, okay, before we get to the last thing, do you find that with the the Apple one, Ryan, is it easy? Is it comprehensive? Or do you go to Audible for just the way it's laid out with the year-end review? So I looked into it and I only bought one book on on <laughs> Apple this year. So it was kind of a too much, pretty eh, simple. Right? And it was just, but then I got into it a little bit and it was like, hey, well, here's the top of this and here's how many people downloaded Stephen King and the horror, you know, this is the number one and it's an audiobook. But what I really liked is that they include the ebook and say, well, here's the top ebook, but here's the link to the audiobook. So I, I really do like what they got going on. And like you said, it's a whole ecosystem. So I'm really excited that uh, because I do use Apple Music. So I'm uh -huh. really excited to get into that. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. think that you're right. I think that uh, it, it's just a few steps behind, but I think they're going to figure it out and kind of eclipse everybody if i can say that because that's you think kind of so? what's been See, I always well, maybe it's not important enough to apple because audible so huge yeah yeah but maybe yep. they'll incorporate yeah, audible point. right like apple's really good at doing that where they see what you're we'll already doing yeah like let's say you have exactly. spotify you have audible you have a kindle and all these other things um maybe apple will start to encompass all that and start dragging in and continue that hub situation but um be able to almost like screen time where it tells you hey you've used this much on this app this much on yes. the other app it'll be like yeah. this is how much you've read based on all these apps and these um scenarios mm -hmm. i can see that happening it's an interesting viewpoint of how we consume or view books, like will we would we have several resources to get books versus several streaming systems we would have in, mm. in a moment. But because stuff is so, if Disney stuff is on Disney. If you want Disney stuff, you gotta go to Disney, you gotta go to Apple to watch their shows, or, or Netflix to watch the stuff that they have, and they may have certain shows that you, yeah. you want. But books are different, aren't they? Because Audible is known as the king that has what some would perceive as everything. It's not possible for them, everything, but the perception is there. Yeah, because they were so big to begin with and the first to start, yeah, I guess. And yeah, and Apple Books, we've all list, laughed and said, I they're think, expensive. Exactly, but you know what? I, I really think, and this is my top of my wish list and it's probably top of others too, but I, I wish everybody could just play nice. Like, let's include it all, and you know what I mean? And I don't think it's ever, but like, you know, let's say Rami uses Apple and I use Audible and Kelly uses something else. We don't get Great. that cross-platform sort of thing. Where's the hub for that? And it, I would Apple's going to bring see, it. Yeah. And I would love to see that, but I don't know that we're, I don't know how close we are, but I, and I, something I, I'd I, love I think know, we're man. close. I mean, even if yeah, you're, you're going to end up staying with your streaming service, right? Like I right. love my Netflix and my Disney plus, and that's it. I'm not paying for anything else. Maybe you love your YouTube premium and some other thing, uh, prime, right. but yep. on Apple TV, you go into the app again, I use this as a comparison just to bring it back, but you right. go into Apple TV and you can see that it is a hub, right? It's not discriminating against what uh, ecosystem or what platforms you already use, but it's bringing it all together. And I think what I really enjoy about Apple is, oh my God, I'm fangirling so hard, but I really enjoy is that it's not behind a paywall. Yes, it is if you already don't pay for these subscriptions and then you got to get into the app, right. but right. the actual 
sensitivity, like giving us what we want in terms of a hub, that's not behind a paywall, right? Like that's already part of your Apple experience. It's the same thing with screen time. It's the same thing with all these other things. They just oh, say, I see what you, mean. you know it's what I mean? There, and it's you there. Then and you decide to use it, then yeah. you pay. Yeah, right? exactly. If you're buying something, it's not precluded to you, and you've got to sign up to the club. Mm -hmm. So that's what I enjoy. Like, it's an app, but it's part of the ecosystem where Apple's saying, what do you want to know? And then if we think of it, if we can put it together, we'll bring it to you. And that's what that hub, uh, like the TV hub mm -hmm. is, and I'm assuming it'll be that way for the other stuff. And that's the way they've been since the beginning. It's almost old way of thinking, right? With the original concept of what we got, they've kept true to that. Yeah. Okay, now last thing. What's the final story? Wanted to get a little bit into the holiday season, and I got a perfect Christmas story for us. So how about a 12-meter-high Christmas tree made of books? <laughs> That's right. Uh, how is, it cool like, is, that? is it like book that Jenga? Be <laughs> that beats a three-meter one underwater. Uh, it kind of does. Uh -huh. That's nice. <laughs> so here, before I tell you guys where it is, I'm going to get into it a little bit. This was donated by Penguin Random House. And what's even cooler is that there's a staircase that goes through it, through the middle of it, and it, it is 270 bookshelves high, and it has mm. 3,800 books. But here's the cool part. They're all one of a kind. They're all not as cool as like a first edition, but they're one of a kind in the, they have, Penguin Random House has hand-selected artists that have hand-painted covers these books so there's c.s lewis line witch in the wardrobe hand-painted cover there is charles dickens a christmas carol so they have themes throughout the christmas tree but how cool is it that they're all hand-painted and i gotta mm. think that they're gorgeous right yeah so yeah. and it's in a really cool location so it's in it i'm gonna get this wrong but it's saint pancras international train station in london england where over 3 million people go just in the month of December. So that's going to be high volume, right? And so people are getting to see it. It's it's right there and it's right in the middle and it's interesting. So I'm dying to go and see it or dying to have someone tell me about it if they get wow. to go is see it. Just, it. Is it just loaned to them for now? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Like it's not, yeah, it's going to be and, moved, obviously. Yeah. And I don't know what the plan wow. is with the books afterwards. I think they've just sort of set it up in this Christmas tree fashion to get the holiday yep. season kicked off right. But oh, cool. I what? feel like these are very high-priced kind of books and because they're one of a kind, right? Yeah, You're not gonna that's get what it is. I wonder, I wonder yeah. if there's going to be a big auction of these before they do it again in another year. Like, I, I bet so. these will be auctioned up for charities and so on. Mm -hmm. Can we touch, like, do we know anything about what what the visit would be like? I don't know if you can touch it, but I would say uh, maybe. But I feel like the there would be heavy security, right? Yeah, I feel like there'd yeah. be heavy security. So like Ryan's not walking off with a one-of-a-kind book, right? right. Kind of thing or whatever. Or someone's not touching it at the bottom and it just collapses. But <laughs> That's why I, I said like Django originally. Right? I was like, can yeah. you just like yeah. pull apart this thing? Okay, but I, but yeah. I admit it, it's all shelves and you're just walking through. It's a what an amazing it shape of the place. Yeah. I think, and I bet you that is what they'll do. They'll auction up a 
3,000 of these special books, these one-of-a-kind. And what a way, I thought at first you were going to say one-of-a-kind because mistakes, you know, in them or, or one release. But it's that that tailor-made, that that artistry is just right. speaks for it. Wow, mm. nice. We got to get a proper description of this, like of all the different uh, covers and, uh, you know, the structure and everything. Ryan, thank you. Thanks, guys. Fun stories today. Ryan Huey mm -hmm. joining us on the Chatty Bookshelf. That's every Friday where we talk audiobooks with him before we get into the weekend. We have always lots of great conversations on the program throughout the week. And on Fridays, we settle back and we chat a little bit about some of them, some of the things we might have wanted to say about them on Cut for Time, which is up next right here on Kelly and Rumya. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Rumya return in a minute. your convenience check out the program via the kelly and romeo podcast subscribe using your favorite podcast platform if you would maybe give us a rating and review while you're in there thanks a lot for some of the wonderful comments made about the program we appreciate your valuable time and no matter how you consume the show it's great for us uh whether you listen to it in segment form or the full complete kelly and romeo podcast experience there you can even listen to the audio vanity card when we toss one on the end of the full show. Ramya Muthan back here with me. She's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio London, Ontario. And joining us again on the program, 24 hours after the roundtable, Beth Deere joins us as well as we go over cut for time and we do this once a week on the program. Ladies, I'll get us started with our first discussion Wednesday, as I'm going back to. We spoke with Marcus Koga about how foreign influence operations spread misinformation to Canadians through social media. Here he is explaining how we can protect ourselves. Um, you know, there are a few basic tips uh, that I tell Canadians that they can uh, deploy to sort of protect themselves. One is to check the source of the information that they're receiving. I'm an old school sort of guy. So I pay for a newspaper to be delivered mm. to my, my door every morning. I like that sensation of turning the, the pages of the newspaper while I'm drinking my coffee. Um, it costs money. Uh, to do that. And I, you know, I think we all recognize that good information, good media does cost. But, um, but when they do see news, you know, make sure that it's coming from a credible source, the one that you recognize, if it's, if it looks like it's coming from uh, somewhere outside, if you don't recognize the source, it's better not to maybe click on it. And if you click on it, um, you know, make sure that you you consume that information with a critical eye that you're not necessarily, uh, you know, believing it and certainly not retweeting it. It's amazing when you think about some of the mistakes media, regular mainstream media can make, and they have to do a retraction. But sometimes that's already out there in the ether, and you just don't know what somebody has heard. We are a headlines kind of world where we just see stuff, whether it's on X or or any of the resources, and run with that, and as if we have every detail. But we also are so influenced by an opinion of somebody we may appreciate things they say, whether it's via podcast whether it's on X or something, and they make a statement about something, and you start thinking about it and say, well, that's credible. We saw a lot of that with the pandemic and how many things made sense and how many people we were heard that are being hushed. But how many comments that would come out or comments from the government people who would just say, well, just do this, take the shot. No explanation, no concerns, no ever talking about health conditions or concerns that could happen or what you're to do. And so many people were left in the dark wondering and asking questions, or totally just didn't get information. So you can see, as Marcus was telling us, and this was just so riveting for me, um, how easy 
it is to be misguided. Then you have the people who, whether they intentionally or totally believe what they're saying, but they feel, I have a platform here. And I've always been told, especially as a broadcaster, yeah, but that comes with that comes a, a real responsibility to be careful of what you're saying. Oh, okay, well, I, I'm not a news show. We get on here, we laugh and <laughs> have our fun. But there's still people hearing something, tuning in and maybe half listening, and they may pick up on something like that. So you do feel the need to be very careful and, and or or and respectful. Um, never say I know this for sure unless you really darn well do and are willing to stand by that and going to mm -hmm. as well as as a broadcaster. I don't just have me to think about someone saying that guy's just an idiot. I have Rumya, Beth, the team, AMI, uh, the the AMI board, and and everybody else that could be affected by that or is painted with the same brush. But these folks who will say a lot of things online, and some of them just to get, you know, Beth, you to say, huh, I follow this guy. He is right because he sent and may sound it or may not even care. Just wants to see that people are going to argue with them. And I can't relate mm -hmm. to that, but unfortunately, we are in a world where everybody just at the click of a, a, a computer keyboard can have a platform. Absolutely. And I think on for me personally, when I listened to this segment the other day, um, from more of like a lighthearted kind of angle, I uh, it kind of made me laugh because it made me think about like how gullible I have been in the past. Never with anything like serious or whatever, but I remember sending a, like Cody, my husband, an article about the fact that there was a Titanic 2 coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he like he he actually, he actually like he actually sat down and like read it. I just like read the headline and like the first like paragraph was like, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing. Um, but he was like, hey, like this is ridiculous. Like this obviously isn't real. <laughs> Let, let's fact check. Yeah, I don't even think anyone's gonna use the name because of what it's associated with, even if they built an unsinkable ship. But obviously, like. Beth and her like gullibleness got like lucky. Um, obviously, I for the most part don't have like I'll be honest, other than the news I consume from our show, I really don't consume that much news. But there obviously are people who you know will look at unreliable sources and can maybe be led astray in more serious situations because of that. Mm -hmm. Rami, what do you think about this? More people than we realize, Beth. I'm, I'm honestly mm -hmm. telling you, and I'm not saying this to, to sound demeaning, but my mother will send us things, right? Like on uh, our family group chats and such, where yeah, immediately, on. immediately, I know this is fake news. I know this is not real. I know this is just a person's opinion and not factual information. But the, what I go mm -hmm. back to is... The reason why, or at least the way I see it, the reason why is because exactly what people like Marcus pointed out, which is so, so many people like of a certain generation before internet was a normal everyday thing and before internet is what it is today, which is everything everywhere all the time and everybody has something to say, um, people didn't have to worry about news being real or fake. Like you get the newspaper, this is established 
information. It is being delivered to you. It is printed. There are certain kind of checkboxes that were met, and so you knew what you were reading was real. And it was different from hearing word of mouth. And if people are discussing something word of mouth, they are still citing and resourcing that newspaper that this stuff came from. So that's what news was. It was very easy and simple of a of a formula, mm -hmm. right? You're not sitting around thinking, is this news? Is this not news? Is this information? Is this an opinion? Is this fact? Where Where is this person getting this stuff from? Whereas now... I could be scrolling on TikTok for two hours and I have no idea if what I took in was real or not. Um, somebody's giving me some top 10 psychological tip on something and I'll, lit I'll listen, I'll take it in. My mind, my brain is unconsciously taking all this stuff in. They've catered the algorithm to give me more material like this. But at the end of the day, am I citing? Am I going through those 700 videos that I just went through in the last 20 minutes and uh, wondering you know, where the citations are, where this person got their information from? Everyone is able to present something as fact. You know, it like I'm talking right now and people are going home with the, the whatever I'm spitting at you and uh, there's nothing that I've sourced so far, right? Like it's really, um, almost an extension of branding now like if somebody says i am a blank uh, that's part of their branding and we're able to say or we're going to say okay yeah you know if you're a nutritionist or if you identify as this or that as your branding then i should be able to trust you and that's just not a case that's not that's not correct in the way we digest information it's not absolute it's not properly cited um so anyways i i go back to you know high school and beyond where we were the the the, the professors and um you know our teachers were like you need to cite your sources you need to tell me where this is coming from this is not just your information where did this or your opinion where did this come from i wonder if that's just like a bigger global thing we need to say now because there's too much convoluted material out there and we have no idea where to begin to find out if something is fact or not oh yeah no, i'm next okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's my soapbox. Um, let's go to Thursday's conversation where we spoke to Fern Lullum, and she talked about defensiveness and uh, everything around it, really. So defensiveness, basically, it, you can kind of think of it almost as like your emotional shield, you know? So you're protecting yourself. You very often, if you're being defensive in an argument, you're not accepting any responsibility. You're deflecting that blame onto someone else. So anything that you perceive as criticism, even though it might not be criticism or it might be, you right. will just say, but what about you did that the other way? You know, you will take that spotlight off of you and put it firmly back onto somebody else and so what this does in a in an argument is that it creates a situation where you're kind of working against each other instead of working constructively together as we would hope in a healthy communication now of course you can take this in whatever way you want but um i usually take it in personally right like how am i defensive how well, think back to examples where i've had arguments or conversations where i've been defensive or the person i'm speaking to is defensive but then when we zoom out a lot we can think of this in a kind of societal sociological context as well right like a lot of the conflicts and how we handle things and there's so many examples we can point to around the world right now looping back into convos we've had with um, daniel mclaughlin on know your rights and how government handle things people of power handle things how we 
you know, discuss conflict on social media around war and, uh, you know, communities that are not doing well. So I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about with Fern um, these days around the emotional well-being and mental health and psychology, it's interesting to break down in our own lives and then see how you can expand and how the conversation gets bigger when we think of it in more broader terms and how, you know, our everyday interactions and how it leads to just systematically how things are being done and do we promote good or bad uh, a way of handling arguments, way of conflicts, way of debates even, debates and discussions. You know, I go back to Danielle McLaughlin because on one of her Know Your Right segments, her and her friend, who was it now? Was it Noah? Uh, one, one, you know, regular guest uh, came on to have a, a, a constructive debate on a topic mm -hmm. around the psychologist Jordan Peterson and things that he was going through. And I thought it was so well done, this debate as a whole, and thinking, like, how can we take this into our own lives? But then there's so much deeply rooted things, Kels, that we don't even think about consciously. And, you know, that self-reflection is harder than it seems. I think emotion gets so deeply into things that sometimes the people we are debating with, the people we feel this... Are almost like they're the closest people to us, but it's almost all of a sudden like they change and they're out to get us. Uh -huh. That's where we kind of go and and almost like, well, how we're do triggered. you know me better or you know me well enough or oh god or maybe we're just in that they're the people we're most comfortable to get grumpy with, and that gets in the way of being logical, emphasizing with empath empathizing with yep. them and where they go. I, I think about the disability component with it, and as we touched on, because. I know we get tired and not everybody is meant to be an advocate. Not everybody wants to be interrogated. We have our own privacy and people come up, tell me about your dog or how come you don't have a dog or can I pet your dog? No. <laughs> and the person who asks you that the third, fifth, sixth time is the one that gets no mm. because, but they're not the same person, right? But the defensiveness is there that I'm being harassed. I'm being bothered. I've already said no. Yeah, but no to four other people. We we lose perspective sometimes or, oh my gosh, you don't have a right to ask me that. Well, I'm, I'm a new coworker and I'm just trying to understand. So you start saying, do, do I have to put up with that? Do I have to answer these questions from a, a new coworker to, to function here? Maybe not. No, you're allowed to your own privacy. However, how far does that go? Do you feel the obligation? Because at, at the end of the day, that's a person maybe honestly wanting yeah. to understand. But so many of these yeah. things happen to us that, Beth, make it really sometimes hard to contextualize. I really love Fern saying, especially with friends, you know, you're on the same side. No matter if you disagree Absolutely. or not, right. you're friends, yeah. you're on the and same I think side. You both, I think you've both made such good points, especially like Bram talking about Danielle's conversation and I think it was no I think you're right um it was, yeah. I remember listening yeah I remember listening to that and being like god I just like can't imagine having that constructive of a conversation with We're anyone being on such and she, different she would sides. say she would do it with her boss Alan too yeah. that they would take purpose. real opposites and have these yeah. almost full-out arguments mm. taking opposite where you're sides. still actively listening to the other side yeah it's brilliant yeah mm -hmm. and I also completely see what Kelly's saying with especially with people coming up asking to pet your dog gets really frustrating but 
you know, like you just have to be diplomatic and you have to try and let emotions, you have to try and kind of push them to the side. Um, for my story this week, I'm going to jump back to just a little over 24 hours ago when we heard from Mary Mamalidi about preparing meals during the week. Um, you know, when you're really busy and she had some really fantastic tips for us. So here she is now telling us a bit about that. Get into the habit of eating at home regularly. It can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. The key, meal planning. Right? Forget about complicated calendars, monthly schedules, toss it out. All you need right. is just to jot down, right? Just jot down your dinner plans for the week. Right? What makes sense to you? What am I going to have this week? Just jot it down. True. And then, right, and if you can, if you're not preparing on a Sunday or at the beginning of the week, prepare the night before. Get a head start either by chopping the, the vegetables, um, making a salad, slice any anything that you can. Put canned items near the stove if you're going to be using them mm. uh, for your dinner, right? The less you have to do at dinner time, the smoother it'll go. I loved this segment because... It's something with grocery prices that I have been, you know, trying very, very consciously to make an effort. And Mary's segment yesterday reminded me that I had like a bag of onions that had been sat in uh, <laughs> my pantry that was like growing legs. And I'm listening to Mary and she's on about like, oh, like prep this, prep that. And I'm like, also... I need to like save food and all the tips she gave us were so fantastic. And I just wanted to like tell everyone that I cut up my onions yesterday and froze oh, them. Proud of you. Mary. <laughs> proud of you. And I also thought about you, Ron, the fact that you bought groceries yesterday. Oh, and God, like, I know. I haven't used any of it. And I'm going to, yeah, well, you need to take a leaf out of Mary's book, mm. find your two staples and you know, just have a little like cook off with yourself this weekend. Oh, I Maybe love that. Freeze some of it. Yeah, I love and that. Use up all of your onion in your chili. Oh, I, I have some frozen chili that will be taken out. <laughs> uh, Beth, awesome. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Glad to have you back with us on Cut for Time. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Sounds fantastic. Beth Deer joining us from Edmonton. And folks, we want you to rejoin us on the other side of the break. We just finished up Cut for Time. You can check out these segments in their entirety by subscribing to our podcast platform. Anyone that uh, you use, just look for Kelly and Rumya. We'll wrap up our show after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Rumya after this short break. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you being with us as we swing open the gateway to your weekend. And we've got so much ahead here for you. Before we wrap today, good conversation. It's Ramya Muthan. She's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario. First, I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up this weekend on AMI-tv. The Makeover Series Fashion Disc, it appears Saturdays on AMI-tv. Uh, in this particular week's episode, Emily is done with her girl-next-door look. As someone who is partially sighted, she's unsure of navigating fashion and beauty on her own and is looking for tips. 
tricks, and hacks on how to put together a professional polished look independently. Hosted by Arbor Shepard, who we've had on the show, Fashion Disc uh, is broadcast on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. And we've been teasing this IDPD, the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and there's stuff going on around that on AMI-audio. So you can celebrate the International Day of Persons with Disabilities with AMI-audio on Sunday in this two-hour special. We'll reveal the winners of the annual The Zero Project Awards and have a discussion on what International Days of Day of Persons with Disabilities represents for people with disabilities. They've been gathering some uh, testimonials from people like Kelly and I. So check out the IDPD special at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday on AMI-audio. The world's largest iceberg, A23A, is moving into the open waters near Antarctica for after decades of being stuck in place. Ships uh, around the, the frigid waters near the Antarctic Peninsula uh, are suggested, this is south of South America, uh, will need to keep an eye on their radar for a floating island of ice. Now, I say island for real, folks. The largest iceberg in the world, A23A, is on the move into that open ocean area. It's a trillion ton of tons of ice. Oh, my. It measures 40 by, uh, 40 by 30 nautical miles. For comparison, folks, Hawaii's island of Oahu is 44 miles long and 30 miles across, and New York City's Manhattan Island is, is about 13.4 miles long and spans about two miles at its widest point. Whoa. This thing is gigantic, on the move. It's 1,000 feet thick, and it's been uh, kind of wedged there for a couple of uh, decades. Now it is set loose. It turned a little bit. I think this started in 2020. And we'll see where it goes, ladies and gentlemen. It's covered Would in be snow. Worried? I, I think they are, well, for the boats, but not so much. They say a lot of this is just common. It happens. Just chilling? They are worried about the receding ice in Antarctica uh, overall. Yes, of not course. so much these, but just the receding ice being a problem. So that's our closing moment today. Mm. Watch out for that big iceberg. I, I don't even well, think Don't say it's not unsafe and then say, watch out. Oh, God. Well, but I mean, for the ships, I mean, but otherwise, <laughs> you know, it's just there. They've got radar. Uh, know your rights on Monday, folks. Uh, Danielle McLaughlin will be having a conversation with Professor Ron William about how we can make cities more accessible. We're going to be meeting Andrew Andrew Matthews, who's the uh, AMI-audio apprentice. He's been working with Ryan Delahanty, and he's going to tell us what he's been working on during his time at AMI. I'm still thinking about how big this iceberg is and how much it's dragged the bottom and loosened things up. 41 miles by 30 wild. miles. Man, you could live on there until things start to go uh, <laughs> south. Gotta get up no, there in this first. Case, north. <laughs> Have a good weekend, folks. Get out of here, will ya? Hosts Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amuthan. Reporter Grant Hardy. Senior show producer Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion jones Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, content development and production, John Melville. President CEO David Arrington. Give us your feedback. 1-866-509-4545.
Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Hi everyone, it is Beth Deer here with the KNR Show. Um, today I'm going to talk about Monday's event. I'm sure all the vanity cards this week have been about the event because it really was just that amazing. Oh goodness, like honestly, I am still just riding like such a high from Monday. We had such a fun day and I don't think it could have gone any better. Like, it was fantastic. Um, I guess I should also say a big thank you to everyone who came out. Um, you know, uh, if you were there, then you know that Grant and I um, did a kind of little quiz with the audience about like, how well do you know Kelly and Ramia? And I was so impressed, so impressed. The audience, you guys were so engaging and you just had, yeah, so much to give. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. The day just flew by. The few days I was in Toronto just flew by. I can't believe I'm already back in Edmonton. Um, yeah, it was just fantastic. And for me, on more of a personal note, like just to be able to actually be with our team in person. You know, I said it before, we talk every single day, um, but to actually get to kind of hang out and share in the excitement together in person was, yeah, it was unreal. It was so much fun. Um, just a few like random side notes about the day and things that I like loved. Let me tell you, our lunch... <laughs> Uh, I'm sure Ramia will talk about this too, maybe. I don't know what she's talking about this week, but um, we had an amazing lunch. We all picked what we wanted beforehand and then it got delivered on the day. And let me tell you, the quinoa salad was out of this world. It had pineapple in it and black beans. I wasn't sure how I was really going to feel about the pineapple. I'm not a big like pineapple and pizza person. So I was like, am I going to be a pineapple and quinoa salad person? Yes. Yes, I am. Absolutely. I am. Um, there was also chocolate eclairs for dessert. And I was very lucky because I got the lemon drizzle cake. Not really. I thought it was like some apple cake. You know, classic like blind girl mistake. Um, thought it was an apple cake, turned out it was lemon drizzle cake. And then our director, Irene, who I know you've all heard from before, came and sat next to me with her chocolate eclairs. And I was like, Irene, Beth needs one of those. So she was just so kind and shared hers with me, which that really made my day. <laughs> Not true, actually. There was too many amazing things uh, that happened on Monday to you know, for a chocolate eclair to make my day. But like that was really, really up there. Um, <laughs> uh, I think also another thing I just want to kind of talk about was the production team. Uh, they, I know Kelly had met them before. And if I remember correctly, I think Irene had worked with them before. But they were fantastic. Um, I always kind of feel like a lot of the time when uh people meet blind people for the first time they're kind of like awkward or like weird and 
they weren't at all. They were all so kind and respectful and helpful and just really, really fantastic people. So, yeah, I really, kudos to them. Apple Orchard, you did a fantastic job. Um, and honestly, I just cannot wait to see how the special turns out. 29th of December, cannot come soon enough. So excited for everyone else to tune in and see what an amazing day it was. And I'm really hoping that some of you listening were there and were able to experience it for yourselves. Because, as I said, absolutely fantastic. Okay, everyone, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.